We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Vince, enough of that. Are you ready for rapid fire? Let's go. Ready for rapid fire, baby. You got some good ones in here this week or tonight. I hope so. We'll see how it goes. So we talked last week about where Marcus Freeman stands in one of these, you know, the current college football coaches rankings. He ranks 30th in that ranking. Here's a question that popped up as we were wrapping up the show when we were talking about that. How many current coaches would you actually trade Marcus Freeman for? In other words, man, if you're going to give up Marcus Freeman, yeah, who are you going to trade him for? How many would how many would you actually be willing to trade him for right now? I mean, I suppose it would be like a handful. I again with the whole like loving the guys that are with you for, and hating the guys that are not with you kind of a, like theme that we've kind of been working with here. Over the mm-hmm. past few minutes, you know, I, I feel like as a fan, like Marcus Freeman's my guy. Like, I don't, I feel very attached. You know what I mean? And it, <laughs> it, it almost feels like I'm I'm going to hurt his feelings if I start pulling other coaches. But the problem, not problem, the, the, the reality of the situation is, here, here's, here's where I have an issue with this particular question. Number one, Freeman hasn't won anything yet. He's only been the coach for a year. I love his recruiting. I love everything about him, right? Um, I feel like I would obviously pick, you know, Nick Saban done. Uh, he's coming, right? you know, um, I'm trying to th- like Dabo Sweeney. I, I wouldn't mind having Dabo Sweeney. I like him as a head coach. I know he rubs a lot of people the wrong way. I would bring him up here, but I feel like Marcus Freeman can be the next Dabo Sweeney. You know what I mean? And so it's like, are you hedging your bets? by replacing Marcus Freeman now in year two of his tenure. Like I, I want to answer this question like three years from now where I have a much better idea of who Marcus Freeman is as a head coach, not just as a recruiter and a program builder and all of those different things. You know what I mean? Like, can he win the big games? Yeah. Can he, you know, do all of these different things? I think he can. All so those like, coaches, I don't wanna... though, had those same questions their first couple Absolutely. Of years. I mean, they, what, look, it, it didn't happen Saban overnight from... for Dabo or Saban or Kirby Smart. Yeah, when 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 Saban um, went from the Dolphins to Alabama, mm-hmm. right? 
was everybody like, there's the next dynasty. Like nobody thought that unless they were wearing crimson. Right. And so I just, I would replace them. I would replace them now. If you gave me the option, yes, I would take those two guys and I would, I would replace them. Maybe, maybe even Kirby smart, maybe, uh, but I don't think he would be all that successful at Notre Dame specifically. But man, I I kind of want to put my money on Marcus Freeman. You know what I mean? Like I want to. My futures bet is with Marcus Freeman. You know, so yeah. I guess that's yeah. kind of where I'm at. Does that make sense? Am I just rambling? No, it, I don't know. It, it it absolutely does, and that's I kind yeah. I kind of think of it the same way. And my answer is Tyler's answer. Tyler Evans, okay. Saban or Smart, and that's it. Those are the only two that I would I would go with. I, you know, fair enough. Harbaugh, Day, Lincoln Riley. I mean, none of them have accomplished any more than Marcus Freeman has. You know, granted they've been to the playoff, but and 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 Freeman hasn't. But ultimately, it's about winning championships, right? None of them have done any more. And I, I agree with what sure. you're saying. Like, I certainly wouldn't take Brian Kelly back. I mean, like Dabo, he's done great. He's won a couple of championships, but how's he done since? Trevor Lawrence went to the NFL. Sure. You know, like well, he Deshaun had a once Watson, in a generation I, yeah. quarterback. I mean, I'd like no, to see, yeah. yeah, he's got two quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence playing in the NFL right now. I'd you know, it's the, the jury's kind of still out on him on exactly what these next few years are going to look like for him. And so I completely agree with what you're saying. For like the next two to three years, certainly, I would definitely hedge my bets more toward Marcus Freeman. Yeah. Than, Anyone other than Saban and Smart, you know, and th- like you said, is Smart going to be as successful doing doing his thing here at Notre Dame as he is at Georgia? That that's that's a really good question. Probably right. not because right. you got to you've got to go about business a little bit differently. But so would Saban, for that matter. I I will also say something that I'm sure is going to get people riled up, and I and I get it because I don't know how I, I this is a tough one, but like. I still wouldn't be upset if Urban Meyer was the head coach at Notre Dame. And I realize Ooh. he comes with a lot of baggage. Wow. I'm saying it. I, <laughs> wow. I, I feel, I, I guess I feel like it that. goes beyond baggage. I can't wait to see well, this, this documentary that's coming let out me, on that. Let let's, me, let's see some details before. Let me back up and say <laughs> the Urban Meyer that was at Florida and Ohio state while he was coaching, I was, I was fine when he went to the NFL and went off the deep end, like that just got weird and, you know, all of that. So I'm not saying I would necessarily take him tomorrow, but he's a damn good coach, man. Like he's a really good coach, questionable off the field stuff, but he's a really, really good coach. And I know that's going to rub people the wrong way and that's fine. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I just don't know after that whole video, you know, last year showing <laughs> the up. Bar. Yeah. At the bar. Yeah. Married guy and that yeah. whole thing. I, I don't know that that flies at Notre Dame. Well, plus yeah, plus the stuff kind of it kind of did. So I just you know, but not plus saying the, plus the stuff with the assistant coach who he enabled. You know, true, that's true. With the domestic violence and all that stuff that was going on, he's yeah. he's a different a different breed. <laughs> oh, that's although a- I think you can say a lot of coaches. You know, I'm not saying they're all like that, but. There's a lot of coaches. For that, most of them, um, winning, winning is you know, winning I, is it. Yeah, I mean, I I can't I'm trying to figure out a, a good way to put this. I am not going to judge him on his marital situation, 
because there's been plenty of people that I've cheered for that have had that issue that probably people don't know about and people still cheer for them. You know what I mean? So it just hasn't gotten into the papers or, or it's a small enough town where this has occurred, where it doesn't make it into the papers. You know what I mean? It's like a nod, nod, wink, wink situation. You know what I mean? Right. So, but the fact that it is in the papers makes it harder to justify I, that. that I get that. Like Notre Dame. Like I, I, if you're I hiring get that. that person. I, yeah. I do get that. But there have been coaches at Notre Dame that haven't exactly been loyal to their wives. That's all I'm saying. It's like Larry Eustachie, I think it was, when he was, you know, at Iowa State, the basketball coach. And he showed up at the frat party at Missouri. And he's <laughs> right. I guess same deal. Like there's ways to step out and, and there's yeah. ways to do it correctly, I guess. I, I, don't, yeah. I don't know what to say here. Yeah. Yeah. I understand what you're saying. Things happen yeah. we don't always know about. Sure. Them. But the problem is, once we do know about them, they're hard to sweep under the rug when you're a place like Notre Dame with this the kind is of true. virtues and values that you espouse. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So with USC and UCLA both going to the Big Ten next year, if you were Notre Dame, would you buy or sell replacing Stanford on the annual schedule with UCLA? So you get rid of Stanford and you Mm -hmm. replace them with UCLA. I would buy that in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat, I would buy that. And I know... You know, everybody's going to talk about Stanford's academics and their, you know, Notre Dame and Stanford. Blah, blah, blah. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I really, they're trying to be out in California. Yep. UCLA, check, check that box. Right. Um, I would do that in a heartbeat. And it wouldn't even be a question. Like, I wouldn't even think twice about it. Yes. Done. Deal. Here's, you know, like you talk about academics. And now I, I don't know that it's all about academics, but, like UCLA, you don't talk about them in the same vein as, you know, like a Notre Dame or a Duke or, you know, like academics. This has been a few years, but I know someone whose brother applied to both UCLA and Notre Dame. And essentially Notre Dame became the fallback school. Couldn't get into UCLA. So he came to Notre Dame. Now, mm. part of that is because of the, you know, the system that they've got out there in California and the whole, you know, but it's, it's a bigger school, but it's very competitive to get into. So, uh, just from from a football standpoint, you know that's that's what we're talking about here. I, I'm sure. really, you know, like 
if the goal, you know, for, for one thing, USC and RJ Abatia, who I've had on the show the last couple of years and, you know, going back into the radio days, he's a Stanford grad and he covers USC now. But he's talked about the fact that because USC and Stanford have this alternating deal with Notre Dame, they have to play at the beginning of the season against each other all the time to make their schedules work because of the fact that they have to take, you know, a conference by basically sure. in order to play Notre Dame every year, you know, in, in October and in November. So if you've got USC and UCLA coming mm -hmm. in together, it seemed, you know, I don't know exactly what their setup is going to be in the Big Ten, but it would seem to be a perfect fit, you know, like you could just push Stanford out and you could do the same kind of thing with USC and UCLA. I don't know that they'd want to play each other early in the season because they're rivals. It makes more sense later on. But like for a multitude of, of reasons now, yeah. you've got this Big Ten NBC partnership. So if you're the Big Ten and you're NBC, I guess more specifically, if you're NBC and you've got Notre Dame, UCLA, and USC, they're always going to be playing each other. NBC yep. can televise every Notre yeah, Dame-USC game and every Notre Dame-UCLA game. I didn't and, think about that. And then from a Notre Dame perspective, okay, you know they want to go to California every year. As we've said before, is Northern California really that big a deal? It's Southern California, right. the L.A. market where all the talent right. is. You'd get to go to L.A. every year. Right. Like it would seem to be a perfect fit, you know, for, for all those reasons. Like it, it just makes too much sense. So I would be all about that if I could make it work, if I were Notre Dame. Yeah. I think it's a great, did you, did you come up with that one on your own? Or did you hear somebody bring that up? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. Like, cause I want to give you credit if it was you, cause that's a really good idea. Thank you for the credit then, because I, I, I won't say I, you know, I, I always credit, you know, like I heard it here, or, you know, sure. whatever. Uh, I can't remember, like, we were talking about something recently, and it was one of those things where I've got my notepad, and I jotted that down. Love it. And it seemed to make too much sense to me. So It makes, too, that's exact, that's a really good way to put it. It makes too much sense, which means it'll probably not happen. Like, that's, yeah. that's how I feel about it. <laughs> but especially, you know, again, with NBC getting involved with the Big Ten and those schools coming into yeah. the Big Ten, like I said, NBC would i mean like you talk about primetime games and mm -hmm. then they'd get on top of that they'd also get usc and ucla against each other potentially yeah as a primetime game as long as fox wasn't curious so it's like that would be that's 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 gold vince it's just it is gold. it is <laughs> it is it's scheduling gold okay so i know some of our listeners have seen this Former USFL president Brian Woods is launching this spring league for high school recruits. Prospects are going to play an 11-on-11 format over six weeks. Uh, 12 teams spread throughout the country. The league is going to recruit four- and five-star talent to play its inaugural season next year. This is going to be next spring. They want to work around cities. They have picked with the athletes still attending classes at their high schools and attending a few practices a week. They would uh, the practices would be similar to an NFL mini camp, according to this story, with minimal contact. So, what do you think about this? A basically a high school prospect spring league. It is one of the worst athletic ideas I've ever heard. It is terrible. 
It is it to me, the first thing I thought of was this guy is out to exploit kids. The, I mean, bottom line, he's out to exploit these four and five star kids or whatever, so he can make a buck. I, I it's a terrible, terrible idea. If I'm a high school coach and one of these kids plays for my team and he gets hurt in the spring because he's doing this stupid league that means nothing, I'm livid. I'm absolutely livid that that's the case, okay? Because high school seasons pretty much start in June, right? I mean, that's when you start working it in. You start putting it in the playbook and doing all these different things. And now you've got your best player who's injured because he was doing this stupid league in Chicago or whatever and traveling back and forth to practice and having these games and doing whatever. Not to mention the fact that how – what if their school, su- you know, their schoolwork suffers, and now they're ineligible to play for me? In yeah. the first, like, there are so many things wrong with this idea. I can't believe that it's gained any kind of traction whatsoever. See, in this, you know, like Ben says, kids are getting recruited yes. anyway. My question is, if they're trying to fill this with four and five star guys, you know, one, are you going to have enough four and five star guys in, you know, even if it's a talent rich metro area, are you going to have enough four and five stars to? Make a whole team, right? You know, on both sides, two twelve teams. Like, yeah, why, why, why does a four or five star guy need to play in a league like this? They don't because he's you know You're just right. you know to Ben's point, it's like they're already you know if they're a four or five star, they've probably got a list longer than their leg of schools that they've got offers from. What? Why do they need to risk right. more injury playing in a second football season? with with other guys like what are they going to accomplish through that if you're gonna do this it needs to be for like the two and three star kids so they can get their name out there right right and then then it's just no offense to those kids but then it's just bad football i i mean that no who's gonna want to watch that besides their parents right and i know they've talked about well they're going to be nl nil opportunities and and stuff like that but you know again not all states allow nil for high school kids by the way that's why That's why uh, the Quinn Ewers went to Ohio State. He reclassified because mm-hmm. he couldn't take NIL money as a senior in high school. And so he reclassified and became a freshman at Ohio State. Remember that? So right. like, not even all states allow NIL for high school kids. Yeah. It just it makes zero sense on a lot of levels to me. I'll be curious to see if it actually takes off. But, you yeah. know, again, if if four and five-star guys are the goal, then I just I can't see why four and five stars would want to play right and and absolutely risk that but, injury because they if they haven't already committed they're on the verge of committing I would think if they're ranked that high right so we we had a uh, we were talking about Irish invasion uh, you know obviously it was this past weekend and there were mm-hmm. some kids if I'm not mistaken there were a couple of kids there that Notre Dame's heavily recruiting they didn't even go through the drills at Irish invasion because of you know they don't need to. Yeah. They're already getting highly recruited. They don't need to do that. They don't need so contact. Yeah. What makes you think they're going to put on a helmet and shoulder pads and go bang heads with people when it, there's nothing on the line? I It's yeah. just, I don't understand why this is even a thing. I really don't. Uh, now, I will say, I, I'm going to pull up Irish Shytown's comment here. He goes, I think the USFL should let in kids right out of high school play if those five stars have no intention of getting a degree. I actually have no problem with that. That's kind of like the one and done situation or, you know, kids getting drafted from the NBA right out of high school. 
I actually have no problem with that. Now, the NFL can still keep their rule that kids need to be three years out of high school in order to be draftable for the NFL. If you don't want to go to school, go to the USFL. I I actually don't have a problem. Well, and I was going to say, if this guy wants to make a league, you know, make a league that is a developmental league that does not include college, basically, I would be in favor of something like that where you know like he's talking about nil opportunities sure that's one thing where they're they're basically creating a league as an alternative to college that lets these guys develop and then potentially get drafted in a few years i got no problem with that but right the the, the league as it's been described makes no sense to me right going back to the ucla question terry jillery says ucla is nothing well if ucla is nothing then what's stanford because it's oh, not like on. to yeah. me, Stanford is less than attractive right yeah. now. And again, at least UCLA, you're in you're in Los Angeles in Southern California, where the talent is, the bulk of the talent, and not up in Palo Alto. And you're you know, they're probably gonna pack the Rose Bowl when Notre Dame comes to town, for that matter. Yeah, absolutely. Not like again, Palo Alto, where you've got a half empty stadium. Yeah, and it's not even that big of a stadium. Yeah. So, you know. Exactly. So, Vince, I don't claim to know much about golf. You and I are kind of both in the same boat on this. But the big (laughs) – the PGA Live Golf merger yesterday caused shockwaves throughout the sports world. Is there a sports analogy you could use to explain or describe the merger? I have thought about this all day and it's been very difficult for me to come up with anything. Like, I feel like maybe like, uh, what was it? Uh, IndyCar and whatever the European open wheel, like when they tried to combine, like, you know, they were kind of, I don't even know that much about it, to be honest with you. Um, that's the only, like maybe the, the NFL, AFL, like merger back in the day, but that was before my time of following sport. Well, before my time of living, but before like, (laughs) you know, I don't know all the details behind like that merger, but I remember it being, I remember the fact that that was a really big deal, you know, when it happened, NBA, ABA, you know, that was a really big deal when it happened. Um, But I feel like this is even more sinister than that. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? I feel like, I feel I feel like the live tour was like this anti everything. And if you took the money, it was like, you know, dark money and it was poison money and you weren't a good person if you did it. And and I feel like the PGA guys who turned it down for loyalty to the PGA are now like, shoot, I should have taken the should have taken the taken money. Should have taken the blood money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Basically. So this is the best one I saw on Twitter okay. today. After convincing Steve the Pirate and everyone else to stick with Average Joe's, <laughs> Peter LaFleur decided to join Globo Gym. I mean, I, that's, that's perfect, pretty good. That's right? pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Now, I've seen others, you know, like if the Yankees and Red Sox merged and stuff like that. You know, like you said, the AFL and the NFL merger completely different, though. But, you know, it's it almost kind of goes back to, you know, like Notre Dame – joining the big 10, <laughs> you know, like one that you would never think right. would happen. You yeah. Know, that's a it? good point. Notre Dame to the big 10 would be, would it actually happen? Yeah. That's a now good here's one, one actually. 
I saved this one. Josh put this up earlier, but I saved it because I kind of felt like maybe, you know, this is what he, you know, had in mind when he came up with this question. If universities all went bankrupt and had to consolidate with one school and join rosters, they had to share a border. What two schools would be the best and who would Notre Dame consolidate with? Well, I mean, I guess the only part that throws me is share a border. So, like, yeah, that's pick up one of the universities and move it to the other one, essentially. Like, that's, I guess, that's the hard part for me uh, on that. I mean, the the fun of trying to combine the rosters and you know things of that nature. Like, okay, we could have we could have some fun with that. Uh, you know, if you combine like Alabama and Georgia, like everybody else might have just well stopped playing football. I mean. Mm-hmm. Because nobody's going to beat that team, uh, right. I wouldn't think. Uh, Jason Smith agrees with me. Thanks, Jason. Um, now, as far as Notre Dame, I think that is an actual, that's a really interesting question. So, like, do you do you go regional? Do you just pick the next best team that you think that they would merge with? Are you trying to find an academic fit? Like, what is your criteria if you're going to combine Notre Dame with somebody? Like, I agree with Irish Shytown. He says Northwestern. Like that's the first one that popped into my head. But do I really want anybody on Northwestern's roster? I don't think that makes Notre Dame a better football player or football team. Yeah. You know, if you figure 22 starters plus special teams, how many Northwestern kids are going to come over and steal a position from Notre Dame? You know what I mean? Like that would be, it's not that high of a number. There'd be a couple, but it's not that high of a number. I'm thinking Notre Dame and Duke comes to mind just because you've got good football at one, good basketball at the, you know, like traditions, championships on both sides. They're both private institutions. So that's, that's what comes to mind, you know, like Notre Dame and Duke. So are we, now here's the next question. Are we talking every sport? (laughs) Because every sport, I think, strengthens the Duke argument. Because now you're talking basketball, lacrosse, yeah. uh, you know, men's and women's basketball. Men's for that and women's matter. basketball. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. I mean, I, I think you've created a bit of a juggernaut in a lot of sports if you combine Duke and Notre Dame for sure. Yeah. So that, and, and then academically, said of the course. same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then academically, of course. I mean, yeah. And the academics school. are aligned. And that's, right. that's what, you know, I was thinking, you know, like Notre Dame is yeah. not going to merge with a state school. You know, it's going to be some other private institution. So, right. So that, that knocks Michigan out because they're a state school. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> Just saying. Well, Salty says, Sean, where's the Indiana Carolina border? It's, is it near Vincennes? I mean, <laughs> We're combining schools, so right. like you're the only gonna, you're gonna have to pick one school up and move it. You know, the only so. school that would if you're not moving the school, like Notre Dame would have to pick St. Mary's or Holy Cross. Like those yeah. are the only two options if you're talking about not moving anybody because they actually do share a border. So yeah, I mean, if I mean, if they actually have to share a border, literally, you know, South Bend sits here on the border of Michigan and Indiana. That's so, true. you know, and I, Illinois is not that far away as well. So are you going Northwestern? Or are you going Michigan? Or are you going Michigan State? It's got to be pretty much one of, you know, I, I realize they share a border with Ohio and and uh, 
Louisville. They're they're obviously much farther away. Yeah, I'm not. Know, from, I'm not uh, name actually. Not going with Kentucky. Uh, that one doesn't enthrall me at yeah. all. I like the Duke one. I, I like the Duke one. I just like I said, I have an issue with share a border. Yeah, well, and you know, like they said, you know, Salty said share a border means a neighboring state. Well, st- even if it's a neighboring state, the school is still hundreds of miles away. Hundreds, it's not like, like yeah, you're going to have to move a school, <laughs> you know, to. It's going to be a happen. tough commute so, for practice. Yes, um, yes, that's exactly. Going to be very difficult. Exactly. Very so difficult. It's, it's an interesting hypothetical. It, yeah, I like the hypothetical though. I mean, it's it's fun to uh, it's fun to think about, right. you know. But I I think you've convinced me. The uh, the Duke Fighting Irish. You like the Duke Alliance? Okay, I do. All right. Yeah. So Miguel Cabrera leads all active Major League Baseball players with 3,198 hits, assuming he hasn't played today and didn't, you know, maybe get another hit. But he's 24th all-time. Next most hits by an active player is Joey Votto with 2,093. So he's more than 1,100 hits behind, and he ranks like 293. Scale of 1 to 10, how confident are you that we will ever see another 3,000 hit player in Major League Baseball? One uh, or less. Like, I don't, I just, number one, I don't see the longevity that there used to be uh, in baseball. Number two, there's just not enough hits being hit by players uh, because we're in the strikeout home run era. I mean, there's just not the Ichiro Suzuki's of the world anymore who are just up there to get base hits. That, like base hits aren't sexy, you know. Base hits win you games, yeah. But base hits aren't sexy. Base hits don't get you on Sports Center, and it's a shame because it's all home runs. It's all home runs, man. And uh, I just don't. There's obviously not going to be a three thousand home run guy, um, and I just don't see the hit, the hits getting up that high. I just don't. I mean, Joey Votto has been playing for a long mm-hmm. time. He's been around for 16 years now. And, right. and he's the fact that like so he's even still away. playing. Yeah. And the fact that he is that far behind. And this is, he's been, you know, he was perennial all-star type guy for a while. He's been the best player. Sure. The Reds have. And just, just what you said, the game has completely shifted away from Tony Gwynn, Pete Rose, you know, Wade Boggs type guys. They, they just, you don't see those guys anymore. Like, right like hit machines and it, because it is all about, as you said, home runs. And you kind of touched on this a little bit, just with the way the contracts are going right now, like guys used to get to 29, 30 years old, and then they would sign the big contract sure, and they would play into their mid thirties. You know, they would be overpaid for their services, but they would right. play into their mid and late thirties. But now guys are, are forced out of baseball earlier because they're not getting these big contracts. They're getting one and two year deals. You know, some of them still hit every now and then, but they're getting shorter contracts. They're not hanging around long enough. And that is exactly why I don't think you'll get it. So I think it's a one as well. And I'm a shy town. Just put up Mike Trout. Let me see what his hit total is. I, I, he's 1600 even. Uh, Last yeah. time I checked, and he's that, already I mean, that, been around for 13 years. Exactly, by the way. exactly, and so he's got <laughs> to double up. And I'm sorry, he's not going to hit 1600 hits in the next 13 years. Like that's that's the law of averages. When you get older, you hit less. It okay? tapers I mean, off. That, 
Yeah. So yeah, he's like Joe says, anywhere. Trout is halfway there, but again, he's yeah. been around for 13 years already. Yeah. He's not. I there's just, no way he's going to get it. I He'll be lucky to get to 2,500. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So yeah, he's not. It's going to take him a long, long, long time to get to 3,000. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's just the way the game is played. It's just not going to happen anymore. There's no slap hitters anymore. There's no, you know. And I, I realized I said Ichiro Suzuki again, but he was just the consummate. I'm just getting on base. Yeah. You know, and different kind of guy. You just, there's not yeah. that kind of guy. Yeah. So the women's college world series championship series between Oklahoma and Florida state starts tonight. What's your interest level in the women's college world series? Like on a scale of one to 10, I'd say like a four, you know, like we were, we were in a hotel last weekend uh, down in Indy for the, for the weekend. Like, Obviously, it's last weekend. Uh, and I watched a little bit of uh, whatever game was on. You know what I mean? And I watched a few innings. It was intriguing. Uh, but it's not as intriguing to me as the College World Series on the men's side. I just, I am not a softball guy. I've never coached softball. I've never played softball. I've, I'm a baseball guy, right? So I enjoy watching the baseball side of things because I understand it more. <laughs> um and i can appreciate i mean softball is not that different well but i know still, but it's, there's it's a lot different like, enough yeah rise balls and you know kind of you know mm. i don't know all the 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 ins and the outs and things like that and it's just always and i'm gonna sound so ignorant right now but i'm gonna say it anyway softball fields are so stinking small i know they're so small I, it's hard I don't for like me the to, fact i don't like the fact that they're all the exact same size like yeah. I would like a little, you know, like base variation, differentiate a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. have a a park with a green monster, and you know, like sure. Your left field is deeper here, and your right field is deeper. That you know, something like that. That's that's the that's really the only thing that kind of bugs me about softball. And Father David asked if I've ever been to the women's college World Series earlier. Um, I have not, but you know, I do. You know, like I'll watch it on TV. I'll watch at least part of it tonight. Sure. Yeah. You know the thing with with like what's going on right now is Oklahoma has won the last two national championships and they've just been flat out dominant, just especially dominating. from a pitching standpoint. That's usually yeah. what happens. Yeah. Excuse me. It's like they get the, the dominant pitcher and that's the team, you know, they, they ride that dominant pitcher yeah. all the way through Florida state has been really like, they've been kind of the, the power of the ACC the last few years, but Oklahoma has been the power of the country and, they beat Florida State in the championship series a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I'd be curious to see if Florida State can can win even one game out of this whole thing. But you know, I, I typically watch off and on, and then you know, like last weekend, you know, like you said, it's like uh, I'll I'll flip around. Like the women's college World Series games would be on one channel, and then I'd flip over and watch some regional baseball, you know, college baseball yep. regional stuff on another channel. I told you the other day I was in a restaurant. I would, they had ESPNU up, and they had the four they had four college baseball games on at the same time. I was in heaven. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was fantastic. What do you think about the cheering in softball? Hate it. That's why I can't coach girls. <laughs> I bet you do. Hate it. Absolutely <laughs> despise it. I in high school I had a girlfriend who played softball at a different school. And uh-huh. I went to, I, you know, I wanted to go support her or whatever. And so I, I go to the game and I had never been to a high school softball game before. I was mortified. It was horrible. 
I could not. They were getting their butts handed to them, and they're still with their little chants and cheers on the dugout. <laughs> and I'm like, this is horrible. I never went to another game. It was horrible. Did she get mad at you? Probably. <laughs> yes. Probably. I mean, you're not with her, so. She's not my wife, so. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's the one thing that I always kind of eh. Do we really need the cheering from the dugout? I yeah, don't. I just my I, sister used to play softball, and they would do that yeah. stuff too. And I always thought it was kind of, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, I just I I know myself. I've tried to coach girl sports when I had a, a girl dribbling the ball up the court. Uh, it was middle school girls basketball. She's dribbling the ball up the court, crying. It's like, I can't do this. Yeah. Like, this is not for me. I can't, I can't do this. And so I don't, I can't coach girls. I can't. It's a good call. You know your limitations. You find a just, way out. Can't do it. Are you crying? I said, just, come on. I'm like Tom Hanks in the League of Their Own. Right. There's no crying. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. Neil Ivy, Notre Dame women's basketball coach, is going to join me on tomorrow's show. So we'll start with that. Get some of her thoughts on uh, the summer, the trip to Paris, uh, and and a whole lot of other stuff. You know, we'll talk about some of the new additions to her team and and the whole thing. And then, of course, Jesse will be along after that, and we will have rapid fire. Are you are you with us on Friday for yep. rapid fire? I know you're going to be out of town. So. Uh, not this Friday. Next Friday. Oh, it's next Friday. Yep. Okay. Okay. Next Friday, and I but I still plan on being. Uh, on the show next Friday, as long as the hotel Wi-Fi cooperates. Okay. So, yeah. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. Thanks for all the questions, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Be sure to hit that like button on your way out if you haven't already. And, of course, subscribe, rate, and review. We will talk to you tomorrow on IB Nation Sports Talk.